This daring space mission could be your finest, or it could be your last. You are flying through space, past Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, toward the third planet from the star Altair. You descend to a strange world of deserted cities, glowing caves, and man-eating plants. You are here to find the source of the mysterious signals being transmitted to Earth. Depending on how you decide to go about your search, you could be captured by alien beings, if you turn to page 65, flung millions of years into the future through a time warp on page 69, or you could witness the creation of the universe, page 86. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 38 possible endings. Choose Your Own Adventure, Book 7, The Third Planet from Altair, by Edward Packard, illustrated by Paul Granger. some weird uh, tentacle rape going on there. <laughs> All right, we'll save that. We'll discuss that in a sec. Okay. Before we get to that, I need to <laughs> right. I need need uh, need a consensus on how the fuck that name is pronounced. Trod Kyle Kyle Hugh? It could be Ho, it could be Huff. But uh, also, what the fuck is this name? Trod. <laughs> Trod. Is that literally Trod or is that T with the arrow pointing. No, it looks like Trod. Needs help. I had friends growing up whose last name was this, and they always said Hughes okay. or Hugh. Trod. Is this nope. Trod and Kyle, or is that his? Is his first name hyphenated? Is it Trod Kyle? Or is it T Rod? It could be T Rod. I like T Rod. All right. You know what? This whole conversation's just going in. T Rod. T-Rod, Trod, Kyle, Ho, Hoff, Who, Hugh, whatever the fuck your name is. Thanks for your book. We got your book, buddy. You can't have it back. Yeah. Uh, Paul Granger has some weird sensibilities. And, uh, for instance, there's an explosion of some sort over over this girl's genitals. What the hell? (laughs) There are literally peas shooting out of her vagina. There's literally no no reason why that should be there, as far as I can tell. It's, it's art. She's holding she's holding a painting that she made. She's presenting she's holding it, it with her gift. vagina. She's presenting it as a gift. <laughs> to who? Her potential. Maybe that tentacle raping plant. She's trying to like I don't I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't even know. Well, I mean, technically, this is our Halloween episode, so. Here's some technical plant monsters. All right. Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you can have in outer space. From time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you take are a result of your choice. You are responsible because you choose. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Remember, you cannot go back. Think carefully before you make a move. That has always worked for us so far. Uh, One mistake could be your last, or it may lead you to fame and fortune. All right. For many years, 
astronomers tried to detect messages from life in outer space. Finally, at an observatory on top of Mauna Kea in Hawaii, these signals were recorded. And then we have this weird-ass... I don't even know how to explain this image. Cryptograph? Cryptogram? Some sort of strange cryptograph. Lots of dark arrows and dark boxes and dots, and it's just a mess. So imagine a mess, and we'll... (laughs) We'll put the picture up on the, on, the, on the show notes so you can take a look at it on the show notes. Their source was found to be the third planet from Altair, a yellow-white star 16 light years from Earth. I wonder where that picture is located again. Her vagina. Although now it's kind of... It's a... Boho. There's rays no, of light coming like, out of her vagina. It's like a space vaginal shield. It's like a... You it's, will not probe me. It's yeah. a chastity. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a chastity <laughs> belt. Sci-fi, sci-fi chastity space belt. In a world where there are actual aliens yeah. and actual anal probes. And tentacle rape. Yep. Women have to take special precautions in this particular universe, apparently. Yep. Yeah, because that's the second time she's been wearing that. So. All right. You are one of a crew of four aboard the spaceship Aloha. You and your companions have been chosen to journey to Altair to seek whomever or whatever is sending messages. You hope to travel the vast distance in only a few weeks instead of hundreds of years by making use of time contraction technology. All systems operated perfectly as you blasted off and accelerated past Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn and on into interstellar space. Now, two weeks later, you are standing on the bridge watching the rear view display screen. Is that the rear view display screen? No, that's her vagina shield. We already figured it out. We cracked that code. Okay. The sun has diminished in size and brightness so that it now looks like an ordinary star. Our sun. What? <laughs> they're far enough away. They're, they're far enough away. They're far enough away that it looks like a tiny star in the sky. Is that yes. what they're saying? Yes. Jason figured it out. Jer's on glass number two of mine. Mm, something one, like that. One and a half. Three. <laughs> You're probably going to have to pour some more here before we get to this book. (laughs) Jesus Christ. With you are Captain Bud Stanton, veteran astronaut, Professor Henry Pickens, cosmologist, and Dr. Nira Vivaldi. Did you say cosmologist? Cosmologist. Isn't that the people that do the Yeah, somebody in the mall who, like, chases you down with mascara. Yeah, that's, like, the people that do Well, then this guy apparently... Cosmetologist. (laughs) There's it no, is. There's no, 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 cosmeto- there's no T in there. It's cosmologist. Uh, ah, okay. cosmologist. Okay. Damn. Right. I, I, I is there a difference between a cosmetologist and a cosmologist? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so the cosmetologist is what you guys were thinking yes. of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Oh, fuck me. And Dr. Nira Vivaldi, who has a fucking vagina shield, an anthropologist <laughs> specializing in interspecies communication. I'm sorry, I... <laughs> It's going to be a good episode, guys. Turn to page four. Suddenly, space around the ship is filled with flickering lights. You glance at the captain. He is rigid, as if he were frozen. Sparks dance around the computer. Your body begins to tingle. Pickens is leaning over the sensor data display screen, shivering as though he has a severe chill. 
We must be passing through an antimatter storm, he says in a shaky voice. Uh, fortunately, a mild one. Mild, perhaps, you reply. But look at the captain. He looks paralyzed. I think we should turn back, says Dr. Vivaldi. We're not equipped to handle this, especially without the captain. I think we're through the worst of it, Pickens says. I'm sure the captain would want us to continue on our mission. Your decision will break the deadlock. If you allow the Aloha to continue on course to Altair, turn to page 6. If you instruct the computer to change the course, turn to page 8. Captain's a pussy. I know. Yeah, I, th I say we continue. Yeah, so you're saying he shit. has a shield? What? So you're saying he has a shield? <laughs> yeah, he, he <laughs> probably has, has a shield. Probably. Okay, so what choice are you guys making again? We're Page continuing six. to Altair. All right. Proceed. Use hyperspeed evasion, you tell the computer. The Aloha shudders as it streaks through space. Pickens takes the captain to his cabin. You begin to feel normal again. The Aloha has passed safely through the storm, but signals from the third planet can no longer be detected. The captain will recover, Pickens informs you a short while later, but I do not think we have seen our last antimatter storm. The following days pass uneventfully. The sun star, Altair, grows so bright that you can no longer look directly at it. You have already entered its solar system, and soon you approach the third planet, a blue-green sphere that looks a lot like Earth, except for the strangely symmetrical bands of white clouds orbiting the planet far above its surface. The third planet has three small moons, one of which, sensors report, is totally covered with water. The water moon and the orbiting clouds are such unusual phenomena that you are inclined to investigate them before attempting to enter the planet's atmosphere. If you investigate the water moon, turn to page 9. If you investigate the clouds orbiting the planet, turn to page 10. If you head directly for the third planet, turn to page 13. I kind of want to see what's on the water planet. With the moon, and our goal really isn't to go to the moon necessarily. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say, like, check out why the clouds are all, uh, you know, they're all straight lines around the planet. Oh, let's so, do that. That's weird as shit. Because our, yeah, our goal is to, our goal is to go to the third planet, but I want to know why those clouds are so freaking weird. Yeah. So we want to look at the weird, the weird, yeah, yeah. weird clouds? Yes. All right. As you are approaching the orbiting clouds, the captain returns to the bridge to reassume command. He seems to have recovered completely. These clouds fascinate me, he says. They are so symmetrically shaped, it's almost as if they were placed here by intelligent beings, perhaps to protect space stations from ultraviolet radiation? The Aloha cruises over the clouds and glides down through them. Great heavens, the captain exclaims. You marvel at the sight before you, a city in orbit, the buildings made of clearest crystal and connected by graceful ramps that soar over beautiful parks. Oddly, the city appears to be totally deserted. This may be where the signals were coming from, the captain says. Will someone volunteer to explore the city while the rest of us survey the planet's surface from the Aloha? If you, if you volunteer, turn to page 17. If you do not, turn to page 19. Mm, do you want to volunteer? I, I want to check that out. Yeah. A flying, flying city? Yeah. Cloud City? Cloud City. The Aloha hovers above the center of the city. You don your spacesuit, step out through a port, and float gently down to one of its supporting planes. You watch the Aloha glide away and then turn your attention to the city before you. 
The walkways and buildings are as clean and fresh looking as if they had been built yesterday. You wonder who lived here. Why did they leave? Where did they go? Making a lot of assumptions having just landed on the city. Yeah. There is very little gravity in the city and you can almost fly along the streets. You enter a building and find furniture that looks as if it might have been designed for very small people. Another building is capped by hundreds of spires. Inside it you find electronic equipment. Perhaps it is radio transmitting equipment and the spires are antennae. Could this be where the signal was coming from? The next building is shaped like a dome. Inside the walls are covered with maps and charts of the galaxy. One chart in particular strikes your eye. It looks like this. Which is a really fucking helpful sentence in an audio-only podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you're going to be putting a whole lot of pictures on, on Looks like a funky solar up. system drawing with a graph behind yep. it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. If you continue to explore the city, turn to page 28. If you radio the Aloha at once to tell of your discovery, turn to page 32. I want to keep looking. Yeah. 28. Right? Yeah, I mean, at this yeah. point, we don't have a whole lot to tell them, so might as well keep yeah. going. You continue on through the Cloud City, marveling at the architecture of the buildings and the clouds. In a square in the center of the city is a complex array of electronic equipment. Among the multitude of lights and control knobs and display screens is a console with a keyboard and what appears to be a microphone and speakers. You press the most prominent button on the keyboard. Immediately, you hear a succession of musical tones and then vocal sounds that remind you of a foreign language. The computer is talking to you. Feeling somewhat awkward, you answer the computer saying, I come from the planet Earth. <laughs> Turn to page 79. The computer makes more sound as if in reply. You talk to it some more. It answers, this time repeating some English words you used. You realize that the computer is learning your language. Within half an hour, it is communicating in broken English. It tells you that within its memory banks is all knowledge ever attained by the inhabitants of the third planet. Soon afterwards, the Aloha returns. The captain, Pickens, and Dr. Vivaldi are excited by your discovery. They report that antibiotics brought from Earth are proving very ineffective against dangerous microorganisms in the atmosphere of the third planet. The ship must leave immediately, or you will all become fatally ill. Although the computer is too bulky to load aboard the, the Aloha, Pickens is able to detach some of its memory banks and bring them along. We have not completed our mission, the captain says, but with the knowledge of the third planet's people stored in these memory banks, we may be able to do much for the peoples of Earth. The end. Oh. Oh, so we won. Wow. <laughs> that was the quickest happy ending. Whoa. That Hold was on. a happy ending? That was. You found yeah. some shit, and you went, okay, this works, and left. Normally we die or some fucking big mouse eats you. Yeah, all right. Sweet. I say if we want to go back, I kind of do want to look at the moon now. The water? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. We are going to explore the moon now. Uh, The Aloha changes course, approaches the water moon, and glides down through the heavy gray clouds that hide most of its surface. Suddenly you can see the ocean below. It is swept by enormous waves that look like snow-covered mountains and are constantly foaming and collapsing. The winds are strong and there is no land to stop the waves from building higher and higher, Pickens explains. The captain returns to the bridge, apparently recovered. He takes one look at the waves and says, Let's get out of here. 
set course for the third planet. The Aloha responds. Within a few hours, you are looking down on a new world of blue oceans and green forests. Seriously? So we just went there and looked. And, and the captain I, said, fuck you, we're doing something else. And the captain quit being <laughs> a pussy for a minute and decided to make a decision. Okay. Apparently. All right. The computer reports that the atmosphere of the third planet is lightweight, non-toxic gas. You'll be able to breathe it just like the air on Earth. The captain asks you to embark the Signet 1, one of the ship's two-seater space shuttles, to search for signs of intelligent life. You have the choice of taking with you Pickens, Dr. Vivaldi, or Blue Nose, the underwater robot. If you select Pickens, turn to page 14. If you select Dr. Vivaldi and her vagina shield, turn to page 15. If you select Blue Nose, turn to page 16. So Pickens reminds me of... He's the cosmetologist. <laughs> he, he reminds me of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, and I think I love take. everybody loves Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, because he's got the shuddery, shaky voice or whatever. And yeah, I was like, as soon as as soon as you read that, I'm like, oh yeah. I was leaning towards Blue Nose, but I love Jeff. Goldblum. I do like robots, so. but but you know, even in this futuristic landscape, I don't know that. Uh, I would just point out that that's your Gold, Jeff Goldblum. What the fuck? <laughs> that's Pickens. That's. That's oh, he is no gold. That's Vivaldi and Blue Nose is apparently not on the cover. Well. And I'm pretty sure that that's the captain. You know, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see that picture. Yeah. The, the, the description you gave from the book. He sounds like sounds Jeff, like Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum and he looks like Albert Einstein. Yep. I have no idea where you guys are getting any of this. Because you described him earlier. And no, I didn't. Shaky. I just said he was a cosmetol- or cosmologist. That's all I said about him. No, he had a shaky voice. I think he was responding in a shaky voice because oh, of that yeah. fucking... That's true. Still, that made me think of Jeff Goldblum, so I'm going with Jeff Goldblum. Okay, we're doing a Jeff Goldblum thing then? Yep. You don't want the robot and you don't want the vagina shield? Maybe later. <laughs> Pause. Just want to show you guys this picture. Uh, it looks like a cave. Sure does. I don't think that this is actually the page that we are going to yet, but... Oh, actually, no, it's not. But just wanted to point out that there are definitely caves in this particular book. So, okay. I don't know why we had to pause for that. <clears throat> because I'm going to edit it all out. That's why. I don't. I don't know why. And because I don't want to have to put another fucking picture in the fucking show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you put all the pictures in the yeah. show notes. I really think the cave with the two bitches with the Nicki Minaj asses should probably go in the notes. I'm just saying. Nicki Minaj. That might make it into the episode. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, so you guys chose Pickens. You and Pickens board the signet, detach from the Aloha, and glide along a few hundred meters above the third planet's surface, following first the seacoast and then a river upstream toward its mountain source. Hospitable as the planet appears, you see no cities, roads, or other signs of civilization. You continue on, crossing a high ridge of mountains. Stretching before you is a vast expanse of desert. The mountains must catch the moisture-laden air blowing from the seas, so rain barely reaches the interior, Pickens says. But there may be life here someplace. See those cliffs? If I'm right, they're made of limestone, and there may be large caves under them. If this planet has been threatened, society may have formed in the caves. Perhaps we should land there and investigate. If you land by the cliffs, turn to page 26. If you fly into the interior, turn to page 27. I'd say trust Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to see caves. Yep. 
The signet smoothly descends to the surface. You cut the jets just as it touches down. But instead of landing on firm ground, the signet slowly begins to sink into some soft, sticky substance. Ooh. What have we landed in, you ask? Looks like sandstone, Pickens says, but it seems to be permeated with oil. I've never seen anything like this anywhere. And if we don't stop sinking within a few minutes, we are finished. As he is talking, you pull the emergency ascent levers. Most of the jets have become clogged, but one of them fires a blast that tilts the signet on its side. That doesn't seem like a good thing. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Now we'll go down faster, Pickens says. You instantly press a radio distress call. The signet's computer calculates and radios your location. Suddenly, all is blackness outside. Pickens says, there's hope of rescue if we don't sink much farther. But you do. The end. Fuck you, Pickens. All right. <laughs> well. There's still the robot or vagina shield. I don't know if you want to explore one Watch of those. Watch this shit show some <laughs> yeah, more. I yeah. say robot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> robot it is. All right. We are going to do the shit show robot on page 16. Yeah, that was the robot I was referring to. <laughs> With Blue Nose positioned for launching, you drop down to the surface of the third planet and cruise along the seacoast. Soon you notice rippling water where two currents collide, an ideal place to look for sea life. You land the signet on the surface of the ocean and lower Blue Nose over the side. As the robot descends, you are startled to observe some large, shadowy objects moving beneath the surface of the water. Blue Nose begins to wobble as it moves. One of its stabilizing units has malfunctioned. Your sensors report that a sudden electrical surge has burned some of its circuits. Wobbly bobbly. Wobbly bobbly. <laughs> <laughs> if you let Blue Nose continue to explore, turn to page 30. If you retrieve Blue Nose and continue cruising along the coast, turn to page 33. Uh, dunk his ass. Yeah, he's just a robot. Let him go. But his stabilizing units. Eh. Several of the large objects are moving close to Blue Nose. On your display screen, you can see the robot diving swiftly to escape them. Suddenly, your screen goes blank. A few minutes later, Blue Nose bobs to the surface. When you pull it aboard, you find that every one of its circuits has been burned out. Could Blue Nose have been shocked by a huge electric fish? Or did it breach the defenses of some intelligent life form? The only way for you to find out is to descend to the ocean floor in your diving bubble. The surface of the water is calm, but massive black clouds loom over the horizon and strange flashes of pink light dance above the waves. This may not be a good time to leave the signet. If you dive, turn to page 41. If you do not, turn to page 51. I mean, why should robots be any more important than humans? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we should uh, Don't be a bitch. Get off our, the boat. save our own asses. He already <clears throat> died. Lewis, you want to save your own ass. Yeah. yeah. And you want to dive. Yeah. Ooh. Paper, rock, scissors. Okay. Seriously? <laughs> oh my god, I'm drunk. And they're doing paper, rock, scissors. We just, we just did scissors, paper, rock, both of us, because we're mind readers. Woo! I'm saving my ass. Yeah, he won. Okay, won. Jason won. Scissors to paper. <laughs> So we are going to save our asses on page 51. 
At this moment, the ocean of the third planet seems a forbidding, a forbidding place. You suspect there is more to be lost than gained by staying in it. You blast off and return to the Aloha at top speed. The captain is distressed to hear that Blue Nose has been put out of action. He directs you to proceed on a new mission, exploring inland. This time, taking Dr. Vivaldi with you. I have a feeling that this Sweet. is just moving you back to a previous choice that you didn't I'm make. I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to go check out the Vagina Shield on page 15. Oh, right. there's a picture. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. Nicki Minaj. You and Nicki Minaj, you and Dr. <laughs> Vivaldi. <laughs> you and Dr. Vivaldi detach from the Aloha in Signet 1. Glide down close to the third planet's surface and follow a ridge of mountains. You look down on both sides, searching for signs of life. Wait, says Dr. Vivaldi. This is exciting. The signet sensors report electronic emanations from those gray cliffs. You land immediately on the ridge and both of you climb out of the shuttlecraft. Nearby you spot a trail leading to the base of a cliff. You follow it a short way and come upon the opening of a cave. A cave fucking cave. You cautiously step inside. You are in a huge cavern that is dimly illuminated by amber light coming from some phosphorescent material on the wall. Turn to page 101. As you continue on into the cave, Dr. Vivaldi suddenly grabs your arm. Look! The floor has been smoothed out along a wide strip, as if for a roadway, she says. And look back there, on your right. See those cracks on that smooth wall? I think that is a door. And look up ahead, you say. Cave art. Ooh. The walls are covered with drawings of strange creatures unlike any you have ever seen. Extraordinary, Dr. Vivaldi says. Shall we continue on or go back and try to open that door? Oh. If you say, let's continue on, turn to page 85. If you say, let's try the door, turn to page 90. She said continue on, and I was like, duh, let's continue. And then, and then, then the, the door. door. And I'm like... I'm, I want the door, actually. I'm yeah, kind of down for the door. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that one. I, I like the door. Let's door it. You return to the door. Dr. Vivaldi presses against it firmly, and it swings open. You see before you an enormous room, completely white, filled with electronic equipment. No sign of life, just an automatic control center of some kind, Dr. Vivaldi says, as you walk along past machines, the purpose of which... You can only guess at. Suddenly, Dr. Vivaldi stumbles and falls because of that enormous ass of hers. <laughs> <laughs> she cannot get up. <laughs> That's what you get. That's your punishment. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, Edward Packard. I'm so sorry. Uh, suddenly, Dr. Vivaldi stumbles and falls. She cannot get up. She looks very pale. You begin to feel dizzy yourself. Dr. Vivaldi looks up at you. Radiation, she asks. I've already checked, you reply. Do a microorganism scan. You are shaking and are barely able to set up your scanner. Too weak to stand up any longer, you sit down beside Dr. Vivaldi. Together, you examine the data. Ah, here it is, Dr. Vivaldi says in a feeble voice. There are bacteria here, of a type unknown on Earth. Their purpose is to protect this equipment from mold, insects, rats, 
fungi, from anything that might interfere, including alien creatures like you and me. Dr. Vivaldi falls unconscious, and in a moment, so do you. The end. Oh. All right. We pretty much got the best ending up front. Right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, right off the bat we the shortest, did. Which was also the shortest story, too. Yeah. I mean... We found a bunch of shit and went, especially, get the fuck out. Especially as scientists. I mean, we just found a shit ton of information that these aliens had stored. And we're like, boom, score, hmm. we out. I think so far this is my least favorite Edward Packard book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I could agree with that. It's still not the worst. It's book. no Space yeah. and Beyond is the worst book. So yeah, uh I don't know where yeah, to stand I'll, with it. I I'd still I'd still probably read it again just because I'm sure there's probably gotta be another uh happy ending in there somewhere. No, I'm sure there are. You know. So, but but I I was actually kind of happy that we found, in in my opinion, probably what was the best ending up front. That never happens. We found it pretty quick. Yeah. So, like, we made all the right choices and got what I would consider at least probably to be one of the better endings. Would you recommend it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd say I'd say. I mean, it's got a vagina shield. Yeah. Which never got any use. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of a bummer. Well, it's because it's really not a vagina shield. So that's our own interpretation of some bullshit artwork by Paul Granger. Sorry, Paul Granger. You're obviously into some weird shit. Like tentacle rape. (laughs) We actually, yeah, and we never did come across a living plant either. No, no, we didn't. Yep. But it's still in there. So if you want to read it. Well,. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to recommend that you bother, but it's two to one at this point, so, I mean... Do it anyway. Yeah, give it a shot, I guess. If you want to check out some more shit by Edward Packard, go to (laughs) edwardpackard.com. If you want to check out more shit by Edward Packard. If you want to check out more Choose Your Adventure books, go to cyoa.com. And if you want to follow us, you can find us on stupendosaurusrex.com. Uh, you can also find us at StupendousRx at YouTube, StupendousRx at gmail.com, and Stupendous underscore Rex on Twitter. So, I've been Jeremy. I'm Jason. Still Jillian. <laughs>